The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Good afternoon everyone and welcome to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods and I'm your uh, host today. I hope you all are having a wonderful holiday week and I think our topic for today's show is uh, very appropriate. Um, we're talking with Tom Kenton, who um, has written a most interesting book about um, mindfulness and recovery. And the name of his book is called The Mindful Addict, A Memoir of the Awakening Spirit. And let me tell you a little bit about Tom. Tom has been in long-term recovery for 39 years. His story appears in a 12-step fellowship text with more than 7 million copies in circulation around the world. Tom has been invited to speak both in the United States and internationally several times a year at 12-step conventions in front of audiences ranging from 500 to 10,000 people. Um, He has been very active in the 12-step fellowship by going um, into prisons and creating meetings in prisons. He has been active in many service positions over the years, um, including serving on different committees. Um, he's also been um, on the advisory board of the Buddhist Recovery Network, and Tom is also trained in Tibetan singing bowl therapy, and he leads a Buddhist recovery meditation group that meets twice a month in Hawaii. And Tom is fortunate enough to live in Hawaii full-time, I believe. Welcome to the show, Tom. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. It's really nice to be here. Um, I read your book, and um, one of the things that um, strikes me about the timeliness of, um, of it, because mindfulness is certainly something we're understanding more and more about, and being able to be centered and be in the moment helps with anxiety, it helps with cravings, it helps with um, psychosis. And um, it seems like we're kind of in the beginning of the, the realm of mindfulness. Yeah, I think I just, you know, it's funny. When I sat down to write this book, it was 2007, and I've been practicing meditation for over 40 years. So mindfulness wasn't new to me necessarily, but and I didn't even think that it would be such a, you know, such a obvious word in our culture today, which it is. It's even, you know, like you said, it's coming very much deeply into the therapy world. And I use it, of course, for meditation for spiritual reasons, but it's also very connected with the mental health community now. And, um, yeah, it's a great time to have that book come out, I guess. That title is a catchy one. Yeah. I can remember early on in my career and working with um, folks who had addictive disorders in treatment that one of the things we always used to say to people, you've got to get your mind and your body in the same place at the same time. That's you know? it. That's the key. Yeah. 
So can you uh, share with uh, our audience a little bit about your journey and how you um, qualify to write the book? Okay. <laughs> That's actually pretty good because, uh, yeah, I'm not going to go in. Uh, in the book, I don't really go into uh, uh, a lot of uh, my using, but enough to, you know, let people know that I, you know, had a disease of addiction. And uh, I've always said that I was a very fortunate uh, addict. I did all my using in the 60s, basically. I have been off everything since October 20th, 1971, and started going to meetings in 1968, but bounced in and out for three years. So I was a pretty blessed addict to, to use in the 60s. It was kind of like that was what we were expected to do almost. And uh, I, you know, really was into Tim Leary and all that movement of the gurus coming to the east, I mean, coming from the east to the west. And living in Hawaii, I lived out on the north shore of Oahu the whole, all through the 60s, which was a beautiful place to live and also to use drugs. They just didn't really bother us out there. So uh, it was pretty uh, an enchanting time until I hit bottom. I think one of the things that um, when we when we think about the '60s, oftentimes that whole period gets um, glamorized, right, to, to a certain extent. And I think what was important, at least what you described in your book, is is uh, there wasn't a lot of glamour toward the end of your addiction in terms of how you felt about yourself and your life. No, there wasn't, and I think that's the case with most of us that end up in recovery. I don't think we'd be here if we woke up in the morning and thought, oh, boy, I'm feeling great today. I think I'll use. Uh, that usually doesn't go hand in hand. I was a totally lost human being, and you don't hear, in the 60s, you didn't hear much about 12-step recovery. Uh, it wasn't something that was in the newspapers, in the libraries, there weren't treatment centers every scattered across the land. It, I, I never heard of it until it moved in next door to me. And as you know in the book, that's exactly what did happen. Uh, somebody very profound moved in next door to me and started a meeting, and that's how I discovered I had the disease of addiction. What has it been about the 12 steps? Um, that has really um, resonated with you? Well, I think that the, the way the program is set up, it doesn't have our only desire for membership is not to use or drink. And there's no hard, fast rules, and most of us coming in, as we know, wouldn't want that. And I was very... Um, I was. I didn't have anything going. A lot of people come into the program because they've lost everything. Now I didn't really have anything because I was very young when I started using. And by the time I went to my first meeting in 1968, I was 24 years old, and I hadn't really acquired anything. I really didn't have a career, but I was very, very involved in the spiritual movement of the 60s. Uh, especially if I was just smoking pot and taking LSD and not shooting drugs, which I did do. Um, so the 12-step programs really attracted me because of their spiritual nature and 
the 11th step, which is what this book's sort of about, is the practice of meditation. And I just really grabbed on to that stuff the minute I went to my first meeting and, and saw what this was about. I, I was ready. When um, One of the things in your book, and I, and I want to spend some time talking about Flo Bird, who was mm-hmm. the woman who moved in next to you, who was really kind of like your spiritual guru. Mm-hmm. Um, but she seems like such an amazing person in and of her own right. Can you share with everybody a little bit about her story? Yes, I can, and you might have to put a a ringer in my ear because I can get carried away about this. So just stop me. But I don't, and I don't. The whole book is riddled with her message, of course, after you've read it, and it's what kind of makes my. I don't know if my story is any more magic than anyone else's, but I've got this element in it. And let me just uh, for the listeners, uh, what happened is that this lady Flobird had found her recovery in 1960 and uh, was not drinking or using, and this was 1968. And 1962, she actually had a complete spiritual awakening. Um, uh, I think the big book of AA talks about the way the founder, Bill Wilson, was sitting in his hospital room, and all of a sudden just pure light, pure love was given to him. That, That... I call it the 20th Century Fox Spiritual Awakening, the kind we hear about. And that's what happened to Flowbird in 1962, where this, the whole universe was opened up to her. And her name was Florence Johnston originally, and she came back in the rooms, uh, in the meeting rooms, and was talking about the birds, because the seagulls and pelicans flew above her head when she had this spiritual awakening. And, she just was so on fire with love that they started calling her Flowbird because her name was Florence and she was talking about the birds and that was her name for the rest of her life. Um, this woman meditated every morning for two or three hours and she would write in a journal uh, and follow the guidance she was given each day. And on this particular day in 1968, it was around February something of 1968, I was living on the North Shore, just about a house or so removed from the beach, right in front of a a surfing spot called Rocky Point. It's right between Sunset Beach and the Bonsai Pipeline, and I was a surfer and, uh, you know, a drug addict. Um, And one day this, well, anyway, Flobird was living in Kaneohe at the time, and she was meditating that morning. That's about 40 miles from the North Shore. And in her meditation, she was told to go to Sunset Beach right then. So she drove out, and she was led to a, a, this four-bedroom beach house that was right next door to my house. And she reached above the door and found the key because she was guided to be there. She walked in, and the next day the real estate guy came because that house was for rent. And it was furnished but empty, but, you know, completely furnished. And he found her in here, and he said, what are you doing here? And she said, God told me to come here. Can you please have the electricity turned on? And she was in that house for six more months and started a meeting. And in my ten years I spent with Flobert, I saw her go around the world three times without money, no money at all. She only followed her guidance and uh, did it just 
stepped out into the world. And that's what this book is kind of about, is learning to follow our own guidance. And my many adventures I had with Flaubert and my many adventures I had after her leaving the body. Um, in your book, you talked about um, being able to find your own guidance. It's really about total surrender, is it not? Yes, it is. It's about well, it's about the total surrender, and it's about showing up every day for what we call. It's, it, I think it's very beautiful that meditation is also called practice in the in the world out there. If you hear somebody say, "There, did you do your practice this morning?" It, it, meditation is called a practice because it's something we're always learning and improving on and um just in our in our in our only thing is to show up every morning that's all the 11th step tells us to do in in the 12 step arena is just show up and improve your conscious contact and pray only for knowledge of this will and that to me is the guidance that i get um, and it's not always easy and it's not always simple and you don't always get guidance every day and sometimes there's a million voices in your head, and you just sit and keep coming back to the moment, coming back to the moment. And you will learn. I mean, I have had, like you've read the book, I've had incredible experiences through my 39 years of recovery of, uh, of actual, just very clear guidance. Um, I think one of the times that you talked about was the day that Flaubert actually passed away. Mm-hmm. That was pretty heavy day. <laughs> that, yeah. was, that was a heavy chapter to even write. And uh, I'll just touch on that briefly. Would you like me to touch on that sure, briefly? Sure, sure. Yeah, it was so, very profound reading it. So. Huh? It was very profound to read it. Yes, it was very, and it was all true. And I might add that everything, everything in this book is actually true, because I know a few years ago there I think an addict wrote a book and ended up on Oprah's book club, and it turned out it was all false. So right. this right. stuff is all true. And if Oprah's listening, Oprah, you need we need to make amends to you. You need to have this book in your book club for amends. But anyway. We'll be right back to hear about your uh, profound spiritual experience after our commercial. Okay, great. Okay? Thanks, we'll be right man. back. listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind, embrace positively, release the tension, step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio, because shift happens. Can you imagine a technology that takes human consciousness to the next level? One that reveals a new understanding of what is valuable and possible in the abundant support of life? The truth is, we already have that technology. We simply need to awaken to it and become the value it creates. For more about this, please tune in to Awakening Value, Shamanic Technologies of Consciousness and Success with host Marty Spiegelman. Awakening Value is live every Thursday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family center recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone. Um, today we're talking with Tom Catton, who has written a book called The Mindful Addict, A Memoir of the Awakening of a Spirit. And um, for those of you who are familiar with 12-step recovery, um, this will be a review. For those of you who aren't familiar with 12-step recovery, um, Tom has been talking a lot about prayer and meditation, which is the cornerstone of the 11th step, and for those of you who don't know, the 11th step is we, we sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And for most people that I know who are in long-term recovery, um, the spiritual aspect of their recovery is really the cornerstone of, of their success. And... Um, being able to have a, a contact with something outside of yourself and just a spiritual belief that if you trust in something, everything will be okay. Um, it, and it's a very powerful experience for for people. And um, before we went to break, Tom was beginning to share with us one of the more profound days of his life when this really, when he experienced this in a very intense manner. And it was the day that his his spiritual advisor, um, Flaubert, passed away. So, so, Tom, could you share with everybody that um Yes, thank you, Mary. Um, so throughout the book, you're going to be reading about guidance and learning to listen to your heart. This was uh, the teachings that I was learning over the years traveling with Flaubert, is to show up every morning and sit and meditate and listen and to dare to journal about that and dare to step out in the world and do it. And like I said, I saw her go around the world three times by following this guidance. So Flaubert was diagnosed with cancer in 1978, and they, we had her in Texas where she, anyway, they, they, they opened her up and they just closed her back up. It was, she was riddled with cancer. So... We drove her back to New Mexico where we had some land. We did a lot of traveling around the world, and we had some land in New Mexico. And so we had her there, and um, she could have lived another two weeks, two months. We, d- we didn't know, but it, it, it was just a waiting process. So I woke up in the morning and was doing my practice of meditation, and I got a very strong message I was supposed to leave New Mexico that day. We had just gotten her there the day before. 
So very strong thing that I, you are leaving New Mexico today. And I was very torn with this because here was this woman that I had spent 10 years with, and she was dying. And if I left before she died, I could never, ever forgive myself. How would I do this? So I talked to some people that were there in the group and stuff like that, and this one guy said he was willing to drive me to L.A. so I could catch a plane to Hawaii because that's where the guidance is. said, go to Hawaii today. I was supposed to leave. Very confusing day for me, very painful. And um, so we were all sitting in Flaubert's room, and she was kind of breathing heavily and uh, uh, going in and out of consciousness, and everybody got up and left. And I just sat there with her for a while, and then I quietly walked out of the room and sat down, and there was a window looking into the room because it used to be exterior out, you know, outside. But I sat there, and I just started going into meditation, and suddenly I, I thought I was making up this vision of Flaubert just laying on her bed surrounded in a white light with a channel at the top. And as I sat there... I just, I just saw her body float up out through this channel, her spiritual body, and I just got goosebumps that I rushed with. My hairs were standing on end, and I went, my God, what is happening? And I looked kind of in the window, and it was almost like a mist in, the, in, in that room, and I rushed in the door, and Flaubert was gone. I mean, her physical body laid there, but she had passed, and... The ironic thing, within an hour, I was leaving New Mexico, that my guidance that day was correct. I was supposed to leave. And, of course, I get a little more descriptive with it in the book, but it was a very powerful day because is this not what this woman had taught me for 10 years is to follow my heart? And my heart said, leave that day, and she left too. So it was a pretty, pretty powerful day. Um, it's very powerful, and I think that um, you were very blessed to have this woman in your life. Very much so. And let me add that, as you read in the book, I did look at Flaubert as like a guru-disciple relationship. Now, she would have, she didn't encourage that or didn't, disc, you know, she didn't tell me, that's not who I am, you know. I mean, I guess in, in the 12-step talk, she would be, she would have been my sponsor, but I really had a guru-disciple relationship with her. And that was probably just from the 60s, my whole take on gurus and everything. But it was a very beautiful experience the whole time I spent with her. And it sounds like she touched a great many people all around the world. A great number, a great number. Um, When you were, as a result of the 60s, you were um, kind of exploring meditation while you were still actively using substances. I was, right. And, and uh, uh, go on. And it was a very popular thing to do. Um, what, how would you help somebody who today is in early recovery and can barely sit still? I mean, how, how does someone find meditation when they're in early recovery? Well, what I have people do that I sponsor, I sponsor like in the 12-step programs, we sponsor people, which means we help them through the steps and stuff like that. And I probably sponsor about 40 men throughout the world, you know, in different countries and everything. And anyone that comes to me, whether they, I think my most, my new 
my the sponsee I have with the least amount of years, I started sponsoring him about a year ago when he had two years. Now he has three years. But uh, I sponsor men anywhere from right now two to three years up to, you know, 40 years clean. And the one thing I do when somebody new comes to me is I say, what are you doing with your 11th step? Now, I'm... I'm not surprised to know that through the years of speaking at conventions and all that, that so many people, what they call meditation is they get up in the morning and they say, God, please help me stay clean today. And when they go to bed at night, they say, thank you for keeping me clean. And they might read one of their daily little 24-hour books, you know, that has, on this day, this is the reading. And that's what they call meditation. And I say, well, that's all great to do, but that's not meditation. And so what I have people do, Mary, is I just have them take, I, I say, look it, there's 24 hours in a day. You can take 10 minutes, start with 10 minutes, get a timer, put it on 10 minutes, and just sit down. Find a special place in your house. If you like, make an altar. I'm very airy-fairy with my stuff. I have crystals and pictures of holy people, and I burn incense and candles, and I sit. I say, do whatever if you have a special rock or whatever, a feather. I don't care. Just make a special place to sit. And, and, and you can sit 10 minutes. You can do 10 minutes. Anyone can take 10 minutes out of a 24-hour day and just sit. And I tell them, just follow your breath, be mindful of your breath, and all of a sudden you'll find yourself with a thousand thoughts and you'll forget you're even meditating. You don't beat yourself up. Just go start again, come back to the breath, start again, come back to the breath. And I just have people do that. Now, I tell them, I tell them my story. I'm ADHD to the max. And I can sit, I can meditate. I just, this last Saturday, I just did an all-day meditation with a group of people from 9 to 4.30. I can sit. And I'm ADHD, so anyone can learn the technique. It's just about starting off with something that's doable and letting yourself build to that. And you're going to have thoughts. It is okay to think. The ocean has waves. The mind has thoughts. We just have to learn to observe them and come back to our breath. So it's not so much about blocking the thoughts out. It's more about just focusing on your breathing. Right. Just keep coming. In other words, the we, we take the breath because that's something we're doing. And if you are actually aware, I'm breathing in, you know you're breathing in. Your breath comes out, you know you're breathing out. You can feel the air come out of your nostrils, touch your upper lip. Just be mindful of what's happening. If you do that, you're in the moment. You see, and that's where we want to learn to live from is being present. And then we can take that. As I leave my meditation room, I try to be very aware that I'm walking across the room through the living room and turning on my computer, you know. And I don't do any of that stuff till I've done my practice. But you learn to take this mindfulness throughout your day with you. And when you do that, um, how do you how do you deal with like negative feelings? Well, that's the whole that, that, the whole key is just to be present with what is. 
And negative, so I, I don't like to label things negative or positive or bad or good anymore. I really love the principle of equanimity, just whatever is, is. And I really try to embrace it because, you know, in the Buddhist teachings, the Buddha taught, you know, his whole thing was about relieving suffering and just to know. In other words, if, I, if I'm having a negative thought and I try to repress it or run from it, it just causes suffering. If I'm having a beautiful thought and I try to hold on to it in meditation, then it, it's, it's going to come and go, and then that causes suffering. So the whole idea is not to, to crave anything and not to be averse to anything. Just to, What we learn to do, Mary, is we just learn to embrace what is. When we can embrace what is, we just can learn to love what is, and then it just we we let things kind of come and go through our life, and just try to be in the moment with them. And um, which you know the whole trip of being in the moment is we stop the stories in our head. You know, it's my stories. I've been through horrendous things, as you know, in the book. You know, I, I, I'm a cancer survivor. I was in an accident. I've had brain surgery. I've done all that, but it, it, it's not the incident that, was, that caused, in other words, leading up to cancer surgery. I think I hear the music. Yeah, we'll be right back. Okay. Tom, Tom will finish his spot okay. after this next Thanks. commercial. Listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260 day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, Family Center Recovery for Co-occurring Mental Illness and Substance Abuse Disorders. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. 
your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone. Um, Today we're talking with Tom Catton about mindful recovery. And um, while we were in the break, I was was talking to him. It's been my experience that people in early recovery have a really hard time um, not focusing on the past or the present, um, and they have a really hard time just being in the moment. And, um, And I was just talking to Tom about, you know, when is the right time to begin um, this practice of mindfulness? So I'll let you answer it to the audience okay. like you did for me. Okay, sure. Um, so anyway, what Mary, we were talking about, what she was just describing, and she was kind of uh, pushing that towards somebody very new coming in that still has a lot of resentments in their life and still has a lot of uh, just issues coming up that they can't sit still and they can't still their mind. And actually, I have to laugh because that kind of just describes everyone, whether they got 20 years or 20 days. I mean, when people, even a 20-year, somebody with 20 years clean that starts meditating, really trying to do this practice, they're still plagued with the same thing. I've been doing it for over 40 years, and there's days I sit down and I'm plagued with those kind of thoughts. So to me, that's just an excuse not to start the practice. And people that are drawn to me and and want to be sponsored by me or uh, communicate with me, I, I just I don't separate them. If they newly recovery or 20-plus years recovery, this is what we're going to do. You know, we're going to start to practice the 11th step. Um and we'll find that this is something we never complete in our whole life. Like I said, here I am, 40-plus years of meditating, and I still have mornings I sit down, and there's just 10,000 thoughts, and I can't sit still, and da da da. But it doesn't mean my part is to show up. Just go show up and not put this. I don't get a gold star for showing up. I don't get a gold star for a good meditation or a bad, you know, there's, so I, I think that we can use that as an excuse not to start the practice. I think I think one of the hardest things for most of us is to just sit with whatever it is we're we're feeling, and mm-hmm. I think our our we're always trying to resolve it or get away from it, and to just sit with the feelings um, almost sometimes is counterintuitive. Well, not wanting to sit with our feelings are exactly why most of us used, isn't it? Yeah. We didn't like the way we felt, and we didn't want to look at it, so we wanted to numb ourselves. Now, in the, in that, and that makes me think, in the 60s when I started meditating, I thought it was about taking handfuls of LSD and getting out of the body. I thought meditation meant get out of the body. Meditation means be present. Meditation means for me to sit with whatever is coming up. If the sadness comes up, just the other day, Mary, I sat uh, 
And I would say I walk through life 95% of the time with a tremendous joy. I just do. That's who I am today, and it's because of a lot of practice. But the other day, it wasn't just three or four days ago, I went and sat. If I'm home, I'll do several sits a day where I go into my meditation room and sit. And I sat, and all of a sudden, this sadness came up. And out of nowhere, I was sobbing. I, out of nowhere, I was just sobbing about this sadness that came up. I didn't try to run with it. I sat with it. I didn't go use. I didn't try to lie about it. I'm telling everybody that's listening, with all this time of doing this, I had sadness that came up, and I cried. And that's the beauty that we learn to sit with these feelings we don't have to use anymore. It's okay to have feelings. I know. It truly is. And um, life is much more enriching when we embrace them as opposed to run away from them. Um, can you share with us a little bit about the Buddhist Recovery Network? I'm not familiar with that. Okay, yes. That's, uh, uh, it's, uh, you can go online and uh, just type in Buddhist Recovery Network and it'll come up. And um, they have, what they're, what, what's happening is that in the recovery movement, in the 12-step movement, it turns out that there's a lot of principles in Buddhism that are so in alignment with with the twelve, uh, 12 steps and the principles we use in those. And 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 although we have God as we understand God in the twelve step literature, we don't force any Christian thing on anybody or any kind of anything. As you know, you mentioned that early on. But still, there are people that are just so opposed to the word God. And some of those people are the ones that are, a lot of those people are really driven to this Buddhist recovery movement that's going on. It's quite, it's, it's spreading across uh, the land, and uh, it's called, it, it, I hold a Buddhist recovery meeting at our house twice a month where we do a sitting practice and then we read some Buddhist recovery material. There's quite a few books out. Uh, and I don't call mine a Buddhist recovery book. Mine is more of a memoir of the awakening of my spirit. But there's a lot of good books that are listed on the Buddhist recovery network that people can dial into that actually take the 12 steps and compare them to the principles of Buddhism. And um, it's, uh, it's really helping a lot of people that couldn't get beyond maybe some meetings may close with a Christian prayer in the in the 12-step arena, and that really, some people can't get beyond that, right. and that might inhibit them from actually getting clean. So that's that's how this sprung up, and it, 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 they hold conferences. They have a conference coming up in May, I believe, in the Los Angeles area, and uh, it's 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 totally worth going on their network and looking at what they have and books they suggest and stuff like that. Um, now that we're talking about this, um, uh, a man I know, David Powell, has, is a Buddhist, and he's been working with people in China mm-hmm. in recovery and doing uh, Buddhist recovery um, right. in China. I don't oh. know David, but I know this kind of stuff is going around 
all over the place, and it's quite. And I, I'm really involved with Buddhist recovery, though. Not just I don't call myself a Buddhist necessarily. I follow the Theravada path of Buddhism, which is where Vipassana is stemmed from, which is mindful insight meditation, the kind that we've been talking about is only one part of Buddhism, of course. It's just a, a very, you know, to me, Buddhism is kind of like, in a sense, Christianity. They have so many different types, the Zen, the, the you know, Chinese Buddhism, I mean, and then Tibetan Buddhism. Oh, my gosh, that's like Catholicism almost. It's got so many gods. and It's all beautiful stuff, but I just like mindfulness. You know, it's a very small part of, uh, of Buddhism, to tell you the truth. So can you explain for us, for, for people who are familiar with a traditional 12-step meeting, what would a Buddhist recovery meeting be like? Well, what, well first of all, we focus really on, it, it, we really focus on the 11th step a lot. Uh, what we do, the format I use is um, we have a good uh, 10 to 15 people that show up on the second and fourth Sunday to my house. I'm in a very rural part of Hawaii uh, on the east side of the Big Island, the Hilo side. So it's not a huge fellowship here. So we've got a pretty good little group going for where we live. And what we do is we do a 20-minute sit. I, at, 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 at 4.30 it starts, and I, and I strike a big Tibetan bowl, and then that's the sound to come to mindfulness. And I do a little guided meditation, and we do a 20-minute sit. And then when we're done, we read something out of one of the uh, Buddhist recovery books. We um, read out of a, a, a guy named Kevin Griffin. He has a book called One Breath at a Time, Buddhism in the Twelve Steps, which is a very beautiful uh, thing on just comparing. And then we open it up for discussion. We run it just like a regular meeting. You know, we do a sit. We read a portion of a book, and then we just have a discussion, and the meeting runs an hour and 15 minutes. So it's very much about recovery, but we just really focus on the 11th step, and we're not uh, bind by any real traditions like we are in a regular meeting. In a regular meeting, I, or when I speak at a convention, I don't um, talk about Buddhism, really, or you don't talk about Christianity, you know, you keep it into recovery. So this we can really talk about our practice. You know, in, in the in the 12-step arena, we don't teach people how to meditate. Now, your sponsor may work with you individually on that, but it's nothing you bring up in a meeting. And at the Buddhist recovery meeting, we're not uh, held down by those kind of traditional ways we operate in in a meeting level so we're a little bit it's a little bit more free flowing uh to talk about our practice you know and how do you end the meeting we end the meeting we close it with a uh a little healing and then i and and at my at the this meeting is has got all kinds of 12-step groups that come to it people that that may attend MA or AA or oh, I've had OA people there, Al-Anon people. So it's kind of uh, scattered. It's kind of neat. It's kind of open to anyone. And so I let people, I always ask somebody to close it in their whatever way they want, in their own, maybe their traditional 12-step way or 
what you know it's a little different we do a little healing thing in a circle too before we close where we send out healing energy which we wouldn't do at a normal 12 step meeting of course mm-hmm. so it's really it's really beautiful it's it, we call it a sangha a sangha is a group of people that are practicing the teachings of buddha and the teachings of buddha we call the dharma so uh, we have what we call a 12-step sangha. It's really, and, and the 12, actually, the 12-step communities are a sangha too because they're, they're a group of people, you know, practicing the principles of the 12 step. That's a sangha also, but we call ours a recovery sangha. Have you ever um, experienced anything familiar, um, like another, guide after Flowbird, and I'll ask you to answer that after our last commercial. Okay, sure. Great, great question. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family center of recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Two views, different topics, questions, answers, news, and advice. You'll want to check out Ecoman and the Skeptic live from Philadelphia University. Every week, join hosts Rob Fleming and Chris Pastor as they tackle a different topic on sustainability. You'll hear all sides of the issue supported by guests who provide valuable insights. Get ready to be engaged, educated, and entertained when you tune into Ecoman and the Skeptic. Broadcast live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Green Talk network what it comes down to ladies is that defining line between been there done that and ain't going back baby yeah i've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers maybe even dolls babes darling sugar and sweetheart but i say that women are truly amazing join dr marlene for amazing women brains beauty and style every wednesday at 1 p.m pacific right here on the voice america women's radio network Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone. Um, this is Mary Woods, and our guest today is Tom Canton, and we're talking about uh, mindful recovery. And uh, I, before we went to break, I was asking you that after Flaubert um, passed over, did you ever have anyone else who um, came into your life with such a profound spiritual guidance? Well, I haven't uh, that I haven't had anyone come in that was at that level, but I've had. Many, I've had several beautiful sponsors. I've been and, and that I believe are, uh, you know, what Flaubert was at one level, and that I, I always kind of put it that Flaubert planted these seeds in me, and then I've gone. I've had the same sponsor now for 25 years. That the guy that sponsors me now, and what I've actually said uh, is that. These other people and where I've been led to have watered those seeds. So Flaubert died when I was eight years clean. So because I took three, I bounced in and out for three years, and then she died in '78, and I got clean in '71. So I've had many, you know, experiences of letting those seeds and her teaching sprout off into my life, and as to where I like to think I'm. Out trying to put them into practice now. Why is um, why is it so important to be mindful? Okay, I started to touch on this earlier, and the whole idea of mindfulness is to be present and be with what is right now. Um, I often tell people uh, if when you're projecting about tomorrow or next week, I don't know. We all have little challenges in our life. Sometimes there's a court case. Sometimes there's an illness, and you might be walking towards surgery, or just any. T- you know, being in. If we're in the body, let's put it this way: uh, while we're in the body, there's problems. It's just there's problems. We're always going to have them. So mindfulness key. What it does is we learn to observe our thoughts. In other words, just watch our thoughts and not get uh, uh, tied in with them. It's always, if you're like next week, if you have to go into some kind of surgery, it's our stories that we project about what the outcome is going to be is where all the pain comes from. This is where all my anxiety, all my frustration, it all comes from projecting something that's not even happening yet. And there's a million different outcomes that we come up with. And I always tell people the reason it's so crazy out there is if you have a relationship with God, it can really only be right here, right now, because that's all there is. There is no time, you know. There's just right now. And if I go out and project to next Friday about some upcoming event, the reason it gets so crazy is I'm there all by myself. My God, this loving, loving influence in my life is only here right now. You know, I, I'm going to tell you, Mary, it doesn't matter if a great thing is going to happen next Friday. 
my projection still causes craziness about it. There's still a million different outcomes of what's going to happen anytime I'm out of the moment. So our whole practice is just to try to be here now. That's what my license plate says. It says, be here now. I'm actually wearing my be here now hat as we talk. I love that. It's just about being present. And as you said, it takes practice. It takes practice. That's what we do. It's start again. Start again. When I sit in meditation and my mind starts to, you know, I'll be, I'll be meditating, I'll be just so into the silence, so right there, then all of a sudden a thought takes me away. I'm somewhere else. And all I do is just note that and I start again. You just come back to the present. And I have people that have been committing to me. I don't sponsor them, but they contact me and say, would you help us with meditation? We want to, I have a thing about committing to sit for 90 days, 90 meditations in 90 days. It's like when newcomers come into the program, they tell them, you can stay clean for 90 days. Just give us 90 days. Hit 90 meetings in 90 days. Everybody in the 12-step arena has heard that one. 90 meetings in 90 days. So I like people to do 90 sits in 90 days. And the thing is, if you miss a day, you start again. You don't beat yourself up. You start again. Just like with that thought, it wanders off projecting. Start again. Just note it. So it's, that's what meditation's about. It's a practice. We're always practicing. Um, so did you write the book because you felt um, guided to write the book, or did you write the book because um, it was just something that you really, really wanted to share? Well, let's put it, I'm, I'm, I'm going to expose a little airy-fairiness about myself. In my early recovery, I did go to some psychics a few times, had some astrological readings, and, I, and this is the truth. Uh, several times in the very past, you know, 30 years ago even, it would come up that I was going to write a book. And I would go, oh, okay, I didn't even finish high school. Hello, you're not very tuned in, you know. But uh, so and then in the early 80s, my story appeared in one of the uh, 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 books of the 12-step programs. They have personal stories in the back. And so I just saw, you know, a few pages of everybody's story for identification. So I thought, oh, well, that's it. I wrote, I wrote and I'm in a book. I guess that was what I was supposed to do. And I just kind of always let that idea go because I couldn't even conceive I don't even know where a comma and a period go or where a paragraph starts. You know, I didn't finish high school. I was a full-blown, full-blown addict. And um, so in 2006, I went through a very profound thing in my life where I had an automobile accident that resulted in two brain surgeries, and I was pretty laid up, and I kind of lost everything, and that's just a whole, I could go on for hours about that, but let's just put it this way, in 2007, I started getting this feeling I was supposed to write, and all of a sudden, it seemed kind of appropriate. I said, geez, I'm in my 60s, I've been clean for over 30 years, maybe I have something to say now, maybe it's, you know, legit, but I... I sat down, and, and, and I, I've heard a writer's block, but it didn't come to me. I, I, I sat down at a computer one day, and it just came pouring out. All of a sudden, chapter names came. The name of the book came, The Mindful Addict. And at first, I might add, it was called The Mindful Addict, a memoir by Tom Catton. And that always kind of bugged me, because who in the heck is Tom Catton? My name isn't quivering on everybody's lips like Brad Pitt or something if he wrote a uh, memoir. But all of a sudden later it came, 
It's a memoir of the awakening of a spirit. And there's the music. Loving everybody out there listening to this. Um, thank you so much, Tom, for sharing this hour with us and for um, helping us all to be a little bit more mindful. I think we are, all of our lives would be enriched if we did our 90 sits in 90 days. Right on. Um, I just have to ask you one more thing. Do you still surf? I do go out in the water once in a while, but not a lot. My whole family over here surfs. Both my kids are here, all my grandkids, everyone surfs. Good. I stand up paddle once in a while now. (laughs) Well, I have a wonderful holiday. Um, Have a Merry Christmas, everybody, and a Happy New Year. And uh, we'll talk to you all again first of the year. Have a good week. Thank you again, Tom. Thank you, Mary. Namaste. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. appreciate you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.